Welcome to another episode of Fill in the Blank. I swear, you're the only guy who would be on a podcast where he has to talk and have dip in his mouth. Yep. I'm here with Chris Burt. Hillbilly. That's why I like you. <laughs> so, what do you know about the Willowbrook State School? Um, I know it was for, like, uh, mentally challenged people, and they did a whole bunch of, like, weird Is that from what I've told you? Yes, okay. actually. So he told me what it was before the podcast, so that's how I know. Well, Willowbrook State School, what does that come into your mind if I was just saying that to you? It sounds like a college, because like, um, like back in the day, they used to call Salisbury University Salisbury State. Hmm. It sounds like a college. I thought it was a high school, to be honest with you, when I actually, um, after I printed out the article and started looking more at it, I and was also, like, now that you say something about it, um, Eastern State Penitentiary in Pennsylvania, the one that's haunted, it kind of sounds like that, too. Yeah, no, I got an article on that one, too. Mm-hmm. So, Willow, Willowbrook State School was a state-supported institution for children with intellectual disability located in the Willowbrook neighborhood on Staten Island in New York City from 1947 until 1987. The school was designed for 4,000, but by 1965, it had a population of 6,000. At the time, it was the biggest state-run institution for people with mental disabilities in the United States. Conditions and questionable medical practices and experiments prompted Senator Robert Kennedy to call it a snake pit. Public outcry led to its closure. What? Calling it a snake snake pit? pit? That's kind of degrading. You got a bunch of people that are like, don't have capabilities of i guess not really being of the mental magnitude but like being able to function properly they kind of you know spaz out maybe freak out outbursts and stuff that's why they're like snakes because you never know what they're gonna do yeah but still it's kind of degrading calling somebody a snake when they can't help it well there's six thousand people in a four thousand thing room so it's like that's why they call it a pit probably well public outcry led to its closure in 1987 and to federal civil rights legislation protecting people with disabilities so we got a benefit out of this. Mm-hmm. So a portion of the grounds and some of the buildings were incorporated into the campus of the College of Staten Island, which moved to Willowbrook in the early 1990s. You know what doctors used to put on a birth certificate when a kid was mentally challenged when it came, when they first were born back no in the day? Idea. They used to call it mentally disabled. It used to be referred to as mongoloid idiot. Also degrading. Okay. Chris, your son is a mongoloid idiot. And you were just like, oh, what? Well, he must be normal. <laughs> that sounds smart. Do you have a super high IQ? Especially if you're from Worcester County. Well, um, let's talk about in the construction and early conversion. In 1938, plans were drawn up to build a facility for children who had an intellectual disability on 375 acres in the Willowbrook section of Staten Island. Construction was completed in 1942, but instead of opening for its original purpose, it was converted into a United States Army hospital and named Halloran General Hospital after the late Colonel Paul Stacy Halloran. After World War II, proposals were introduced to turn the site over to the Veterans Administration, but in October 1947, the New York State Department of Mental Hygiene opened its facility there as originally planned. And the institution has been named Willowbrook State School. Why did they change it to a state school if it's a freaking place for intellectually disabled people? That I don't know, man. They had some weird stuff going on back then. Well, let's talk about some of the weird studies you'd be involved in. How about hepatitis studies? Dude, I got my hepatitis shots. I'm okay. Okay. Well, (laughs) you hear a lot about vaccines nowadays. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Well, throughout the first decade of its operation, outbreaks of hepatitis, primarily hepatitis A, were common at the school. That's not good. That's probably because it was an army hospital. They probably got... Mm -hmm. A lot of them probably had hepatitis. A lot of blood going everywhere. This led... And you have a bunch of challenged kids living in a hospital. What do challenged kids sometimes do? Not to make fun of challenged kids, but you know, I have a cousin that's mentally challenged. They lick stuff. They're probably licking furniture and crap, and there used to be a hospital. Like, back in the day, like they weren't as sanitary as we are now. Like They didn't know too much about germs, the like, germ theory. Is that mold? That doesn't look like mold, I don't think. But That's how penicillin was invented. Mm-hmm. Mold. So, a, a, basically, this led to controversial medical studies being carried out there between the late 1950s and 70s by medical researchers Sal Grugman at New York University and Robert W. Maycomb of Yale University, who monitored subjects to gauge the effects of gamma globin globulin in combating it. One result of the research was a better understanding of the differences between hepatitis. So, which is the spread of blood transfusion from infectious hepatitis, which is spread directly from person to person. So, you know what else? Hospitals did a lot of back then was blood transfusions from wars and things like that. That's what I'm saying. It was an army hospital. Mm -hmm. You got to think one of those guys that's in the army's probably had hepatitis Mm -hmm. or something. Probably a lot of them did. Because in the Pacific Theater, for some reason, it was like hepatitis was common. Yeah, I mean, at this age, a lot of people don't know, like, hepatitis, syphilis, all that stuff was getting, it was like pretty big. Yeah, it was like, it was going around, man. Like, (laughs) So the one about hepatitis being spread directly from person to person is a more common form. A public outcry forced the research project and medical studies to be discontinued. So Paul A. Ophit described Grugman's studies as follows. In an effort to control outbreaks of hepatitis, the medical staff at Willowbrook consulted Sal Saul Grugman, Rugman found that hepatitis developed in 90% of the children admitted to Willbrook soon after their arrival. Hold the phone. That better be on the brochure before people sign up. <laughs> you got a 90% chance of getting hepatitis, but you got a 10% chance of having fun and getting an education. <laughs> it's well, summer camp. I'll take it. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of fun. Nope. I know, right? Drinking from the hose back in the day, that was like the summer camp thing. And the next thing you know, they're telling you you can get sick off of it. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, well. well, good thing I didn't die. No wonder I had diarrhea every day. I don't day. believe it. <laughs> Although it was known that hepatitis was caused by a virus, it hasn't been known about hepatitis virus spread, whether it could be prevented or how many types of viruses cause the disease. Grugman used the children of Willowbrook to answer these questions. One of his studies involved feeding live hepatitis virus to six, 60 healthy children. Grugman watched as their skin and eyes turned yellow and their livers got bigger. He watched them vomit and refuse to eat. All of the children fed hepatitis virus become ill. Some severely Grugman reasoned that it was justifiable to inoculate retarded children at Willowbrook with hepatitis virus because most of them would get hepatitis anyway. That's, by, by purpose, So you're just going to kill them just in case. That's what he's pretty much saying. Well, would you rather test people that don't have a function that's really good in life or would you have um like don't really have a chance of doing anything because i mean a lot of the times it's kind of sad but we don't we kind of shove them in grocery stores you know what i mean we don't give them a good job they don't have good advocates for something like i think that's what i really like about society today is the fact that we're there's a lot of programs out there that Mm -hmm. work with mentally disabled people and getting them them jobs jobs. like i have i have a a person I know that um, he's been on my podcast and he's talked about how he's helped people like with mentally disabled. Which is what we need because like, yeah. yeah, I think man, like they, they 
like I didn't even know that was a people thing, with mental dude. disorders have to know that, like hey something's wrong you know blah 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 and they could get like really depressed things like that so getting them jobs and stuff is good for them. What sucks is how like a place like a like a big business or a grocery store uses them in a way. Yeah. They're either bagging groceries or something, or they're going outside and pushing the carts, doing mm-hmm. the job in the crappy weather that no one else wants to do. That's yep. a little bit crappy. It's like he deserves a job. But let's give him a crappy one. That's not really fair. I yeah, think. I don't think so either. But I mean, there's some people that have like autism or some type of thing that do really, really are really smart and really, really well. Mm-hmm. It just depends. I mean, look at that one guy, uh, Stephen Hawking. He was disabled. Yeah, and he was like the smartest dude ever. Do you think they would have put him in Wilbrook? I hope not. Maybe that's why he was in, like, in the chair because he was at Wilbrook. <laughs> well, according to the celebrated vaccinologist Maurice Hillman. Um, they, the Wilbrook studies, were the most unethical medical experiments ever performed on children in the United States. Historian David Rothman notes that the research was even included in Henry Beecher's 1966 New England Journal of Medicine listing of ethically dubious experiments. Bioethicist Art Kalpin had stated that the Willowbrook studies were a turning point in how we thought about medical experiments on retarded children. Children inoculated with hepatitis virus had no chance to benefit from the procedure, only the chance to be harmed. How many times do we do something in the in the name of science or the name of war? Seems like that's our excuse for a lot of dirty, dirty things. Yeah, it, that, that's definitely something that like has gotten better over the years. Because I mean, you look at look at back then, they would just be like. Yeah, let's go stick this guy with this thing that we found out in the woods, see what happens. If you're a scientist and you're trying to figure out how hepatitis works and the best way to do it is injecting it into something, would you choose a mentally challenged person over a normal person? I probably wouldn't choose any person. It's messed up. Yeah, but if you're at this point, like you're, you're, you want research, you know? That's how most like crazy movies start, you know? They're like, yeah, that's true, but... You gotta inject I, somebody, you might as well inject that's the why guy I, and it's I, not gonna function. I, I, I can't, I wouldn't do anything like that, like... There's ways around doing human well, tests. We talk about Unit 731 that does a lot of tests. Yeah, well, a lot, that, of those, yeah. a lot of those scientists were afraid of their life of leaving because they know that the people that left or would even stop working would be killed. Even you're talking you're about part. the Japanese thing, right? Yes. Well, yes. that was a, under a dictatorship, and they wanted to find out things like, you know, what's going to happen if this happens, what's going to happen if that happens, blah, 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 blah. It was led by E.C. Shizu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's different because... That's a dictatorship, and dictatorships are normally just very, very bad. I mean, look at the history of dictatorships. Hitler. For sure. You but know, you Stalin. Have, I mean, we've done some bad things, too, being a democracy and stuff. But at the same time, I'm just saying, if you were threatened with your life and you were afraid, would you be able to inject, like, you were afraid for your family and everything, you were, you were in that situation? Can you see the aspect of maybe using uh, someone like this with a mental disability as an easy subject because it would be better than testing it on a human or someone testing it on your family or you? Maybe, like, for them, that's probably what they were thinking. Yeah, but you got to think a lot of these guys are probably like, ah, they're just mentally challenged people. It's just... Well, yeah, back then we didn't have a lot of research. Yeah, well, I mean, this was, a, this was in America when this was mm-hmm. happening, so... Yeah. You gotta think that's a democracy, so I don't think any of these people are being forced to inject these people with hepatitis. This guy said he was willing to test the people with mentally challengedness. But you also gotta think like back in the day, like they thought like if you had like a mentally challenged kid, like they'd be like, Yeah, yeah we can we can take him out back. Yeah, we can take him out back. Dumpster baby. 
That's terrible. It is bad. Man. Well, there's no it's, way to really handle it. Like I, I think nowadays, like I said, even nowadays, it's a struggle for a parent. First of all, there are easier ways to deal with it. But at, me as a person, I don't think I'd be able to handle having a kid that has a mental disability just because I don't think I have the the enough strength. And the parents that do do it, I do have strong, to give. Man, before they're... even hopping off of this subject, real quick, I do have to give them all credit because they do a massive amount of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine having being a parent of. Uh, someone with a disability. Yeah, that take is care a, of them for life. That's a strong. Like, that's a you know, strong most thing. of us. Well, some of us. Um, when you're 18, you're you're on your own. Yeah. And like those parents, like your parents can kind of like, all right, yo, uh, do you? Well, let's get back to some scandals and abuses of this program. By 1965, Willowbrook housed over 6,000 intellectually disabled people, despite having a maximum capacity of 4,000. I think they didn't stop because of the fact that the people were probably mentally challenged. Like, we can probably put as much as we want in here. Uh Senator Robert Kennedy toured the institution in 1965 and proclaimed that individuals in the overcrowded facility were living in filth and dirt, their clothing in rags and rooms less comfortable and cheerful than the cages in which we put animals in a zoo, and offered a series of recommendations for improving conditions. Although the hepatitis study had been discontinued, the residential school's reputation was that of a warehouse for New York City's mentally disabled people, many of whom were presumably abandoned there by their families, foster care agencies, or other systems designed to take care of them. Donna J. Stone, an advocate for mentally disabled children as well as victims of child abuse, gained access to the school by posing as a recent social work graduate. She then shared her observation with members of the press. That's eventually what led to its thing. But and I think parents ditching their kids at a school. You know, That's the crazy. parents weren't allowed in the building. They weren't allowed to. That's probably why it went on for so long. Yeah, the hepatitis study for sure. But they, that's just weird. That like some how how do you think some of the parents are like no I gotta walk my son and I gotta make sure he gets in safe like there's mm-hmm. those parents. Well, they probably did the whole thing. He'll be fine. Yeah, then, or she'll be fine. Whatever. Then there's the one parent that was opening up the door. Get him out. Get him. You be free. Go go. Run into the woods. Mm-hmm. Do whatever you Tuck gotta and roll. do. Yeah, like that's ridiculous. A series of articles in local newspapers, including the Staten Island Advance and the Staten Island Register, described the crowded. Filthy living conditions at Willowbrook and the negligent, 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 whatever, the hard (laughs) word. That word. That one. (laughs) The treatment of some of its residents. Jane Curtin was the first reporter to write a story about Willowbrook State School because she visited Willowbrook in order to cover a demonstration that social workers and parents of the residents had organized. I think that that was a good time, too, because, like, you think in 1960s and stuff, what started coming out? Televised news. I mean, you see it in the Vietnam War and everything that kind of led to all that. But, like, you see, you know, news with cameras now instead of just pictures. And you actually see what's going on. You know, that's when, like, film news started taking off. It, I mean, it's just nuts to think that it took someone to sneak into this place uh, disguising themselves as a social worker and um, to, to see all this and then tell yeah, the Yeah, I think, press. man, the, the government back then was, like, very secretive. Like, oh, of course, MK Ultra and all these different experiments mm-hmm. are going on. We, this isn't the only experiment on children. There was also the monster study where they told a bunch of kids about a monster and created this giant monster in their head, like propaganda, and seeing how they would react to like being at night by themselves and the conditions the monster would thrive in. So it was like it was weird, and uh, it's kind of like brainwashing. Exactly. I mean, we did that a lot. Well, 
it, the weird thing about this was, shortly thereafter, in early 1972, Geraldo Rivera, then an investigative reporter for WABC-TV in New York, conducted a series of investigations at Willowbrook uncovering a host of deplorable conditions, including overcrowding, inadequate san uh, sanitary facilities, and physical and sexual abuse of residents by members of the school staff. Still very prevalent today. Sexual abuse of uh, mentally challenged people. Mentally challenged people, for sure. I mean, you have you have more power than they do. The exposed, they don't know what's going on. So exactly. It's, it's terrible. The exposed entitled Willowbrook, The Last Great Disgrace, get, garnered national attention and won a Peabody Award for Riviera. Riviera later appeared on the nationally televised Dick Cavey Show with film of patients at the school. As a result of overcrowding and inhumane conditions, a classic lawsuit was filed against the state of New York by the parents of 5,000 residents of Willowbrook in federal court on March 17, 1972. There were 6,000 kids at that school. That means a 1,000 of those parents that didn't sue were the ones that wanted their kids to go there. Because they didn't want the... They didn't want the stress. Responsibility or stress, yeah. This was known as the New York's ARC versus Rockefeller case. Elizabeth Lee's employment was terminated in 1972 as a result of her activism with the parents. In 1975, a, cons a, a consent judge was signed and its committee, New York State Approved Committee uh, placement for the now-designated Willbrook class. The publicity generated by the case was a major contributing factor to the passage of a federal law, the Civil Rights of Institutionalized Persons Act of 1980. And it's crazy how long that took to actually... Well, the Geneva, Con the Geneva Convention was uh, created because of how bad we were testing with um, uh, experiments on people. And then... Well, not it, only that, they had stuff on, like, war and stuff. Like, so you see, like, the flamethrower, but yeah. you can't use that anymore because... Also, the nuclear ban the um, test theory in space. A-119 project, the government tried to bomb the moon or nuclear bomb the moon. They I wanted to test their weapons. <laughs> yeah, well, Russia was working on the same thing, and then finally the... the NATO, or is that what it's called, the national... Mm -hmm. Well, they were like, all right, we gotta not bomb space. That's... that's. What are you thinking? Yeah, because okay. it's all gonna come back. Like It's not just that. You're They're trying to research the... Humans thing. weren't too smart back then. Yeah, well, you. you know, we created fire, so I give us that. And the, and the wheel, kind of. Well, let's talk about closure. In 1975, a Willowbrook consent decree was signed at the Committee New York State to improve community placement for the now-designated Willowbrook class. In 1983, the state of New York announced plans to close Willowbrook, which had been renamed the Staten Island Developmental Center in 1974. By the end of March 1986, the number of residents housed there was dwindled to 250, and the last children left on the grounds on September 17, 1987. After the developmental center closed, the site became the focus of intense local debate about what should be done with the property. In 1989, a portion of the land was acquired by the City of New York with its intent of using it to establish a new campus for the College of Staten Island. And the new campus opened at Willowbrook in 1993. No, it's real crazy. All this was happening in 1987. You were born in 97, right? 97, yeah. Yeah. This was happening ten, in the 80s. Ten years. 87. Ten years. 87. Yeah, I know. Ten years before we were born. You'd think that we were more progressive by then. but Well, the new the, the funny thing was, the new Willowbrook opened up in 1993. Yeah, four years before we were born. It's nuts. And then, um, 
uh, one of the CSI's two other existing campuses located in the Sunnyside neighborhood was closed and renovated and reopened in 1995 at the home of the new K-12 Michael J. Petrid School. The rest of Willowbrook's original property is still under the administration of the Office for People with Developmental Disab Disabilities, an agency of New York State, and houses the New York State Institute's Institute for Basic Research and Developmental Disabilities and the Staten Island Developmental Disability Service Offices. That whole building that was planned on experimenting on disabled people is now a building to help disabled people, but in a legit way. They're trying to fix their mistakes. That's a complete 360. That's 160, yeah. It's 180. Not 380. <laughs> you can turn around again. <laughs> on February 25th, 1987, <laughs> the federal court approved the Willbrook. 1987 stipulation which set forth guidelines that required OMRDD Office of Mental Retardation and Developmental Disabilities renamed the Office for People with Developmental Disabilities that's a sensitivity thing right there community placement for the Willowbrook class the Willowbrook school was closed that year all but 150 of the former Willowbrook residents were moved to a group homes by 1992. Significant members of the Willowbrook class were not as intellectually limited as the term developmentally delay would indicate. Some had cerebral palsy, a developmental disability that can be accompanied by varying degrees of intellectual impairment, and some members of this class were cognitively quite That's intact. what Stephen Hawking had, I think, right? Yeah, cerebral palsy. Yeah. So you got to think. They still have capability of their brain. They just can't do certain tasks correctly sometimes. So yeah, I mean, like look at Stephen. Like, like I know we keep going back to him, but the dude's a, a legend. Like look at Stephen Hawking. He was disabled beyond everything, and he was like the smartest guy ever. Yeah, exactly. It says right here. Yet unable to communicate verbally due to their physical condition, these ex-residents of Willowbrook, many now in their fifties and sixties, live in a variety of community residences and attend day programs throughout New York State mm -hmm. under the care of the organizations such as the United Cerebral Palsy Foundation or the Jewish Guild for the Blind. It's a weird one. In 1991, the book The Soul of a Cop, retired NYPD Detective Paul Ragnos, describes responding to the building of two of the abandoned Willowbrook campus as a member of the NYPD bomb squad. Ragnos describes an abandoned building full of hazardous chemicals, including explosive pyrrhic acid crystals, along with the rooms full of jars containing specimens of human organs. Ragnos goes on the right to indicate that the incident was largely covered up by local officials. So they found organs in crazy chemicals in there too it's, they probably did some crazy stuff with that so some former students in 1997 Danny Avilio hosted a Gerard <clears throat> hosted and Gerardo Rivera served as commentator for a 57 minute documentary titled Unforgotten 25 Years After Willowbrook it revisits the Staten Island Willowbrook State School remembering the over 5,000 children who were living in the facility at the time and former residents to see how the effects on the institution has been felt by families and friends of patients as well that's, so all these articles are now coming out as, um, you know, like this was from the New York Times. As graphically as it recounts the horrors of the past, Unforgotten is less concerned with raking the coals of an old school scandal than with showing the treatment of mentally disabled as it's since improved. The film focuses on the lives of two that were once incarcerated at Willowbrook but subsequently flourished in group homes, stimulated into the close proximity of their families. A third longtime resident of Willowbrook, Bernard Carbello, is also interviewed. Mr. Carbello, who suffers from cerebral palsy, spent 18 years at Willowbrook after being misdiagnosed as mentally retarded at the age of three. This is all this guy has known is his crappy, like, dirty, smelly That's place. That's terrible, especially for, like, the... So normal people, 
in those kind of air, like places never thrive. Imagine being somebody with a mental disability and having been in that your whole life. Well, in looking at the lives of Patty Ann Meskel and Louis Rivera, who died shortly after the film was completed, both of whom spent many years at Willowbrook, the movie stresses their essential humanity. Each is shown interacting with loving family members who are still deeply stung by memories of visits to Willowbrook more than 25 years ago. The film narrated by Danny Aelio isn't so much investigative documentary as blunt plea for the human treatment of the mentally retarded. It also warns that despite changes in social attitudes, the Special Olympics are cited as a shining example of progress. Which is a great thing nowadays. I yeah, I mean, right? They should of... have... They're not going to be able to beat any actual, like, athletic people. Like, I can't beat the freaking Usain Bolt, so don't even... I'm not even... <laughs> some of those, uh, like, the special people in Special Olympics could easily probably beat me, man. I'm not fully functional in half the stuff I do. But it's like the full, the full aspect. They shouldn't have any less of a chance than we do. We yeah, shouldn't treat what... them any different, but we should definitely give them an easier time, I guess I should say. So you should treat them a little bit better. Like, you can't... But you should treat you can't everyone. Put them up against you Olympic should treat athletes. everyone good. So yeah, but, but you Olympic can't... athletes will destroy a normal person any day. I wonder who like trains all their life to get in the Olympics and then become comes in last. Like I didn't have to practice to get last in the fucking Olympics. <laughs> like, I paid all this money, man. What, what's going on? Well, in March 2009, a fire in the residence in upstate Wells, New York, killed four members of the Willowbrook class. Willowbrook State High School. Or I say high school hospital is mentioned in the 2009 documentary movie Cropsy as having reportedly housed convicted child kidnapper Andrew Rand, who had previously worked there as an orderly. One of Rand's supposed victims, Jennifer Schweiker, was found buried in a shallow grave behind the grounds of the abandoned Willbrook State School. There you go about the sexual assault and abuse and stuff like that. Guaranteed, man. Well, this orderly probably saw this place as like. If anybody sees me burying this body, it's not going to mean anything. Cause yeah. it, no one's going to believe them anyway. Yeah, dead men tell no tales. So that's what we got that's it. It's a ridiculous notion, but it's true. So I actually wrote down a couple quick um, little uh, cases from these people, and then we're going to wrap it up. But Bernard Carabello described his treatment with more detail. He actually said, I got beaten with sticks, belt buckles, I got my head kicked into the wall by staff, and most of the kids sat in the day room naked with no clothes on and lots of sexual abuse going on from the staff to residents. None of us look back at this and think of being students, more like prisoners in prison. That's from the Probably guy that's even been worse, in there since man, because, three. Yeah, I think, like, prisoners in prison. That's all he knows, though. Yeah, like, prisoners in prison, that's probably worse here than, like, in a prison because... Yeah, they used to, you know, hurt people in prison, but they were normal people. But they could fight back. See, you can't, you can't, like, if you have a mental disability, you don't know what's going on. Especially when you're getting your head kicked into walls and stuff. Mm -hmm. Any normal person getting I mean, their head kicked into a wall won't know what's going on. People at public school complain about private school having to wear uniforms. That's why they don't want to go. I'd rather not get my freaking head kicked in by an orderly. Actually, I don't know, that sounds kind of interesting. No. If you put me in a padded room, I might have a little <laughs> bit of fun. Well, Judy Moisif, former resident at Willbrook for eight years, recounts, Once the child was admitted to Willbrook, the parents were not allowed inside. Residents would rarely shower and were not taught the basis of hygiene. If a shower occurred, it would be together in a single room given five minutes to clean without soap, toothpaste, or individual towels. The worst was the lack of caring staff that led to the many of us losing social and behavioral skills. So not only having social interaction anymore, 
if a person with a dis first of all you need to have as a person you need to have a physical yeah you, and social interaction need each with other people. even you though need, like you yeah. end up talking to yourself and going crazy um but the fact that when you're mentally disabled and you have to be kind of in you have to have that mm -hmm. you have to have that talking or you're going to feel really really alone and left some of them might have had some serious crazy thinking i mean what do we think when that's we're how left like alone for too long like yeah man like get like people with schizophrenia stuff like that if they're left like alone and not like helped how they should be they, bad a whole things. host of problems mm -hmm. well residents would only be allowed outside if the building was too hot to be inside without severe health risks so if the building gets too hot where someone can die, they would let them outside. You know, that's, we that's can great. go get some ice cream. I don't think they had that back then, man. Ice cream? No, as in like there. Oh, uh, I don't Didn't probably like they cared much. Maybe they had an ice cream stand up. I doubt it. Ice cream guy came by, <laughs> but the kids can't go out there because there's a giant fence up. It kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. Well, after the experience, many were, are clueless on growing up and finding what they wanted to do because of the facility basically teaching the residents not to dream and left them in a spiral, meaningless existence. I mean, if you are beaten and stuff like that, you don't want to dream because you keep Especially your whole that. life. Mm -hmm. Like from the age you can really start remembering, you just know that life's just meaningless. You just get beaten with belt buckles. Well, the worst can't be described because it was the stench and the smell of death and pain. Mm -hmm. That was floating around. You got to think, all those people that are not showering and they're dirty, at, yep. you know, it's just... It's disgusting and naked too so it's like you're getting all that contamination everywhere that's how probably the hepatitis was spread mm -hmm. so wildly yeah. too feces and stuff like that so what's your takeaway from the Wilbrook State School it definitely is not a a state school in my opinion it's mm -hmm. not number one it's like doesn't get the blue ribbon for achievement <laughs> yeah hey shout out to uh, Student Care High School for getting that yeah right <laughs> um, but no dude it's crazy how far we've come and how far we were from giving people with mental disabilities the care that they need and deserve this like, is an idea where society is turned into a good way we're being more sensitized we're seeing more of mm -hmm. people as we're people actually helping people and not like throwing them in the on the back burner pretty much well anybody that wants to look up this random topic i literally found today and was like holy mother of god mm -hmm. um it's definitely an interesting one about willowbrook and i read some of the cases i'm actually going to look up the documentary and watch a little bit of that because it sounds interesting Thanks for being on this episode of Fill in the Blank, Chris, and yeah, stay tuned it. for our next episode.